looking at Isaiah chapter 6. Verses one through nine. It's quite a bit of text, but we're gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna cover every detail in it. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna draw out uh, four main ideas about what's possible for us in times of difficulty, what's possible for us in times of challenge or times of change, times of struggle. And so, if you could stand with me to your feet, we'll read this together. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with the two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin is atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, say to these people, This is God's word to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this. We thank you that you are alive, that you are indeed uh, seated seated in your throne. You are indeed unshakable. You are indeed unshaken. We love you and honor you. Teach us today. Amen. You may be seated. So I I clearly, I stopped before the quote because I had to stop somewhere. Um, (laughs) but, but from here, the passage goes on and gives Isaiah the message that he's supposed to speak in, uh, to the people and kind of, it's his, it's his commissioning moment in this, in this time. I, um, I want to say, first of all, that we as a church last week, we announced that my, my family and I are in the beginning stages of planting a church in Denver, Colorado. And we are just in the beginning stages. And the soonest that anything major will change will be next summer, 2019. And so, but we are in this transition season. And I know that the, um, I know that the news was destabilizing for many of us because if there's anything I am, it's consistent. I'm consistently inconsistent. And so you can kind of count on me being a little bit inconsistent, but I'm always here and I'm always where I've been and I've never moved. I've always stayed. And I know that's one of the things that's brought a lot of comfort to many of us is that, is that I am like, I'm just, I'm just kind of like the wall. You just kind of expect it to be there and you just kind of been able to expect me to be there. And, and so the news of, of a change in, in my in my direction, uh, longer term is kind of like, Oh, wait a second. This is, I, I'm, I don't know that I'm okay with that. Who are we without, without you being on the stage? And, and the good news that I have is that we're not, it's, we're not a church based on who I am. We're a church that's really built on who you are. 
And that's one of the things that's defined us from the very beginning. And it's somebody that frustrated a lot of people early on. And they'd say, well, what's, what's the vision for the church? Well, the mission and the vision are established by our leadership, right? By Pastor Brett Fuller and the elders. That's been established and that hasn't changed. And they're like, yeah, 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 well, great. What about this congregation? And I said, I'll let you know when I see who starts coming. And they're like, no, 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 you got to say what you're going to be, and then people come. And I'm like, no, let's preach the gospel, have people come, and then see what we will be. Right? And it's kind of a postmodern, kind of a weird way of doing things. And it's really frustrating for people who like, like, like something that they can nail to the wall. But what's happened is you have made us who we are. And that's one of the most beautiful things about who we are. So go ahead and look to the left and the right. And just look around and see who we've become because of you. The one thing in the room you can't see is yourself. And so it's easy to undermine the role that you've played in us becoming who we are. But we are who we are, not because we're here, but because of who God is and about what he's done in us as individuals and in us as a body and what he desires to continue doing in and through us. And that's who really truly makes me who we are and what we're about. And so what I wanted, so when you see this King Uzziah dying, you see this, that just stands as change taking place. In fact, it was, it was a good change and a bad change taking place at the same time. And that's how this feels, right? It's kind of like, oh, this is so bad, but this is so good because this is what God is about. And this is how he works. And this is what he's called and invited the church to do and to become. And so King Uzziah, now, now let me say, we are not in this, in this space. We're in a much better space than Isaiah and them found themselves in. You have King Uzziah, who was an incredible king. He was amazing, and he had ruled for years and years. He had ruled for decades, and he had brought them peace and prosperity and safety. And, but the next people in line, it was, it was bad. And so when King Uzziah died, it was like, oh, God, what is going to happen to us? And they were terrified at the prospect of who was taking over. I'm grateful that in this house that values discipleship and leadership development, we don't stand in fear of who's going to be taking the leadership of this congregation, but we can have quite a bit of comfort and quite a bit of confidence that great and equipped and and, and faithful and charactered and gifted and anointed men of God are coming to step into leadership roles in this house. So yeah, you can applaud that. And so we, so it's not, this is, it's a very different context. And I just want to acknowledge that right off the top. But the similarity is that change is in the, in the beginning stages of taking place. And change is scary. Because you're like, well, David, you've been so accepting of us. And, and it's like you're afraid that Jermaine and Pastor Eddie are somehow not going to be accepting of you. And they're not going to be patient and loving and kind and caring and generous and hospitable towards you. But that's who we are. That's not about me. That's about an us thing that God has done in and through us. And so I can, but the, but the panic is not necessarily change. We like change. We change the remote. We just like having control of the change, which is why it's so irritating when somebody else has the remote. It's like, I'm comfortable with, I like this commercial. Don't change it on the commercial that I like. I like this part of the show. I don't care that I've seen it a hundred times. Don't change the remote. Don't change this channel. And then there's the commercial that comes on. I can't stand this commercial. Let me change the remote. And that's why it's so aggravating when somebody else has control of the change. The other thing that we fear in change is failure. We're like, but what happens if this changes and it's not, a, uh, it, and it's not, it, it, and somehow I fail as a result of it, or maybe it's because of my failing that this change is taking place. I assure you that neither of those things is 
in play in this transition. This is really a matter of God advancing his kingdom and the mission of God and the heart of God being expressed in a fresh and new way in a city that needs it desperately. And so, um, and, and we're, we're excited, Megan and I are, that Grace Covenant Church in Sterling continues to be on mission. And, and you, because we stand on the foundation of an unshakable God, we don't have to worry about losing track of, of the mission and the vision and the values of this house and what that means for this congregation. Amen? So, um, so there's some principles that I want to draw out of this, and we're going to work through this. Uh, this passage together. And, and I, I want to I, I highlight that we serve an unshakable God. And in that, we have four opportunities that God shows us in this passage in the midst of change, in the midst of discomfort, in the midst of instability that you might feel. Now, this is true for us as a church right now, as Grace Covenant in Sterling, but it's also true in your workplace every other time. It's also true in your family any other time. So don't minimize it just to this circumstance that we find ourselves in. But certainly it applies to this as well. The first thing that we know is that God is not shaken. It says, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe fills the temple. God was unshaken by the news that King Uzziah died. He was unshaken by the news that King Uzziah died. The same way God wasn't super moved. He wasn't super shaken when King Uzziah came in. He wasn't like, oh, good, I've got Uzziah. Now I can, now I can accomplish what I want to accomplish through my people. I was lost without Uzziah. But now we have him and I can do what needs to be done. That's not the case with God. And so he's not devastated now that King Uzziah was dying in the year that I got a divorce or in the year that I got the diagnosis or in the year that I spilled uh, uh, coffee on my computer or in the year that I, I lost my job or in the year that I didn't get the promotion or in the year that I got that F on an exam on the year that I got in trouble for talking too much in class students in the year that I encountered difficulty that, that I ran into in the year that, that un- instability and uncertainty came to me. I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Family, that's the first opportunity that we have is to see the Lord high and lifted up in the midst of uncertainty that is certainly a surprise to us, but no surprise to him at all. We serve the God who, who knows what is unknown to us. In the idea of change, there's so much that's unknown to us. It can be intimidating and terrifying because we're like, I just don't know. I don't even know what I don't know. I don't know so much. But we serve a God who does know. We serve a God who calls us in the unknown so that we can be certain that he is Lord and King over even what we don't know. Family, we don't understand. We don't understand the way the brain works. We've got no clue about how much of our brain works. Like we get a little bit of it figured out, like, but of what can be known, we know very, very little. But God's not threatened by our lack of knowledge about the brain because he designed it, created it, and superintends over it. And so it is with every circumstance that we find ourselves in as well. What we know about what we know is actually a very small amount of what we know. Right? So like, so like I mean, even, even like this pen. I know that this pen writes, and I know if I press this clicky thing, it, it, like the, righty, the righty part comes out. Right? And if I press this button, the righty part falls back in. And I know if I write too much, then the righty part doesn't write anymore because I run out of ink. 
But there's so much about this pen that I don't actually know. But because our brains are kind of lazy and we're very finite, we're like, I know what I need to know about this pen and I'm comfortable with my amount of knowledge. What I don't know is what is this ink made out of or how does this actually work? What I don't know is how that little ball thing got in there to roll the ink around and how that even works. What I don't know is what kind of metal it is. What I don't know is what kind of plastic it is. I don't know how they got so many different kinds of plastic. I'm just going to take it apart. This is soft plastic and this is hard plastic and this is different kind of plasticky plastic plastic, right? Like there's so little I know about this pen, but I think that I know a lot about it until you start asking me questions about it. What kind of plastic is it? I don't know what kind of plastic. It's dark plastic, right? Like, (laughs) but then we've got dark plastic I can't see through. And then I've got dark plastic I can see through and there's a spring inside, right? And and (laughs) there's more about this pen that I don't know than I do know. I'm just satisfied with what I do know and think I know it all. So I don't intend to make you to to destabilize your life, family, but I'm trying to let you know that there's a lot that we don't know. But there's one thing that we can be sure of, that our Lord is sitting on his throne. We serve a living God, and that's the power of the resurrection. He wasn't a philosopher who walked on the earth and died and left left us with some philosophy. He He was God and king over all things. And so when he died, he rose from the dead because life was in him and in him is all life. And so he rose from the dead and now he's living and standing or seated at the right hand of the father in heaven right now. We don't serve a God who was. We serve a God who currently is and always will be. And he's unshaken by what we don't know about the pen or our children or our relationships or our job or how we're going to pay the bills or what's happening next week. Amen. I draw a lot of comfort from knowing that that's the kind of God that we that we serve. And so if you've been walking with Jesus, it's every time something happens that's destabilizing, whether it's getting cut off in traffic or or realizing you don't know a whole lot about pens, (laughs) you have the opportunity to remember that God is alive. Now, if you're in a situation where you haven't known God and and you're and you're new into this idea that there even is a god you have the you have the opportunity in times of instability to know for the first time with certainty that god is indeed real he is indeed alive he does indeed care for you and he cares about your circumstance and and situation that you're in the second opportunity that we have now this happens after we see the Lord high and oh, I want to say one more thing. Uh, this stuck out to me as we were reading it. It says, and the foundations and the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. Now we serve a God who is unshakable, but we, we serve a God whose voice shakes the foundations and the deepest things. And so while he is unshakable, he is all powerful in just his voice, just his voice makes other things to tremble that seems so solid and so secure and so safe. It takes our, our knowledge about pens and makes us uncertain about our knowledge of pens so that we can see something that we wouldn't have seen when we were so certain. 
And so the second opportunity that we have in this is to realize our condition. That is to recognize our brokenness. And, and, and Isaiah's response to this after he sees this, this, the God's temple filling, or filling with smoke and he sees the temple with this, the presence of God and the power of God and he's overwhelmed at the goodness and the unshakableness of God and the, the, and the love of God and the faithfulness of God. Then, then this other thing happens because he sees God and he's like, God is amazing. And then his next response is, woe is me, for I'm lost. <laughs> he says, I'm a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. Something about being in the presence of God helped him realize that the uncertainty he felt and the insecurity he felt about King Uzziah, Uzziah dying and realizing that God was unshaken by it helped him realize that, hold up, I'm not as complete as I thought I was. Sometimes we don't even know we're lost until something happens. You ever, you ever been lost and you didn't realize it until like it was, you were way lost and, and you're, you're like, I don't belong where I am right now. <laughs> but you didn't, that's not the moment that you were lost. You were lost, you know, 25 minutes ago when you thought you knew where you were going. And that's the thing about being lost is that many of us are lost, but we think we know where we were going. And then we wake up in this relationship or we wake up in this circumstance or, and, and we're like, oh, I thought I, I, I'm lost all of a sudden. He's like, no, bro, you were lost 13 miles ago. You just went in the wrong direction. I talk on my cell phone when I, I walk, when I talk on my cell phone rather. And, and so what happens is I just like some, my legs just start moving when my mouth starts moving. You see it in when I preach. And so my mouth starts moving and I start moving. And then, and then sometimes I'll wake up in parking lots adjacent to where, <laughs> to where I started. And every once in a while, I have a really hard time remembering where I started. And I'm like, I don't know where I parked. I was, I was driving when this phone call started and I pulled over because I enjoyed the conversation or it needed my attention and I stopped the car and I got out of it and I started, I started walking and now I'm at Safeway. I wasn't going to Safeway. I was going home. And, but, but now I have no idea what to do because, but I wasn't lost in that. I just realized my lostness in that moment. Now, some of us have been in church for a long time and then you panic because you have this moment of lostness where you realize that you're lost, but being in church doesn't keep you from being lost. Sometimes it just has you in the best place to wake up. And there are good places to wake up and there are bad places to wake up. I'll tell you, if you just want to stumble into here, here's a good place to wake up and realize that you ended up somewhere that you didn't expect to be. I, uh, I had the privilege of talking to somebody recently who had had a little bit much to drink. And we were, we were talking and we started talking about church because why not? And, and, you know, like I'm a pastor and he's like, oh, okay, what's your church like? And so we went on Facebook Live and he's, he's looking at it and he's like, oh, you got different color kind of people in your church. And, and it was like, yeah, we sure do. And then, you know, we talked about that for a minute and Andrew Jackson came. So that was the worship part. And then Andrew Jackson comes up and he gives the offering message and Andrew's saying something in this offering offering message and the guy's like whoa whoa, whoa i gotta stop and i was like why why do you have to stop and he goes because it's like i feel something going on in my heart and, and he goes he goes i gotta change my life you know and like this is just this is just an offering message bro he's like he goes he's like i'm feeling a certain kind of way and i gotta change something i gotta stop this and watch it in the morning you know when i'm not drunk and i was like <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. You've made tons of bad decisions when you were drunk. Let's make a good one. 
right? So, right? He chose a great place to, to realize that he was lost watching a podcast on Facebook Live, right? And so, so there's a good place to wake up and a bad place to wake up. And that guy woke up in a good place. I just hope he woke up and remembered. God remembers though. God's not shaken by his alcohol. There are two kinds of hurting that we're feeling right now that's revealing the condition of your heart and, and as, it, as, it relates to, as it relates to us as a congregation. And one of these is going to burn really bad. Just I want to warn you now, it's going to be hard. It's going to be offensive. And, and it's going to be like, oh, so you can say that out loud together when I say it. The first one is just that we've been loving really, really well. We love each other really, really well. Not just me to you, but you all to each other. And, and there is so much love among you that, that, it's, that it's a special place. I know you're stressed out about the second one. But, but, but let's love first. Let's love first, then we'll go. You know, we'll sandwich this. We'll go love, hard thing, and then love. Okay? So that's, that's what we'll do. And so, so just know that it's a sandwich and start anticipating love on the other side. So one of the things is that we've loved really well. And it's hard to accept transition or that you're not going to see somebody the same way or as much when you when you love them that's just hard right nobody's nobody's dying here it's like you're like I, i'm gonna watch you guys on facebook live and you can stalk me on facebook and on the you know like we we can we can still do that right um but but um and so so it just hurts that that we've been loving well and things changing and it's like man i i'm comfortable with that and that's changed and that's that's okay that's good the uncomfortable one that we've all been waiting for that you didn't know you were anticipating when you woke up this morning i want Pastor David to say something hard. It's so quiet when, when hard things are about to be said. Sometimes, sometimes what happens is, sometimes what happens is we, we put our, our faith and hope in the person who's standing on stage the most. Um, and they become more than a representative, but they become the one that we look to for our comfort and our safety and security. And, and it's, it's, it's awkward, but terrifying that we have this idol making capacity where we can take anybody or anything and, and put them in the place where we're supposed to be getting it from God. And the removal of an idol always creates great deal of pain because God wants to make sure that nobody else is sitting in his seat. And so I'm not saying that's why this is happening. I'm just saying that as a result of this happening, we have the privilege of God removing maybe something that's something or someone or some things or a personality or a style or, or you know, any one of those things, taking that out of place so that he can take that proper place. And then other men are going to get up and they're going to point you to the same thing I've been trying to point at. And there's going to be a temptation to take these men and put them right back in that place. And so we got to be careful that in all of this, that we don't put man in God's place and then look for man to accomplish what only God can do. I can't even really afford to buy you a large coffee at Starbucks, right? It's too, it costs too much, right? It's like eight bucks for a drink that mostly water, but (laughs) much less, much less save you. Much less redeem your marriage, much less help you with your kids. God in God alone is the one who can do that. And I hope what you hear through all of the preaching and teaching and worship and offering messages and small groups and relationships and hangouts is just people pointing to God and saying, I can help you get to him, but I'm not him. And so in this... 
So in this, we have that great discomfort that, oh, maybe I expected more of them, more of him than he's worth. And all you have to do, the, all you have to do is, is see me when I first wake up or when I'm cranky and tired at the end of the night. That would have broken your idol picture real quick. You're like, oh, I didn't know he keeps his car that dirty. You know, <laughs> like, did he really just put two gallons in at a time because he's flying around? And, and that's what I did this morning. I put two gallons in and I was like, why can't I just fill up the whole thing? Because I'm going to be back here this afternoon rushed again, and I'm going to just put another gallon in it. Anyway, judge me. Go ahead. I'm not perfect. I'm not worthy of being an idol. No man, no man is. No man is. And so there's that idol remover. And so back to the love, I, but, but I love you. And, 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 we, and we love each other. And we, we love each other. And that's a good thing. And we can continue to love, not in fear that people are going to disappear or go, but we continue to love knowing that part of loving is sending, as Pastor Jim so generously and, and nicely put it last Sunday. I was like, man, that's really good. I need to take notes on that. Um, oh, there's this. Oh, Okay. I want to do all the things, but that just reminded me. So, so last year at a, at a pastor's conference, Pastor Steve Merle, the president of every nation got up and he preached the message on, on the five loaves and two fish. And he's like, we all love the idea of God multiplying our need and just making more of it and everything else. He's like, but what are you going to do when God takes your loaf and your bread or your bread and your fish? And, you know, in a room of pastors, it was like, we were kind of planning on him taking other people's <laughs> bread and fish. Uh, why you got to be so, so close to home with this, Pastor Steve? And then he went even further. He goes, and what happens when he calls your sons and daughters into the missions field that you've been calling other people into? And so as a, yeehaw. So there's that. So we continue to love. We continue to love well. Amen. Um, oh, okay. So great. The third opportunity that we have is, is to... Re- oh, you know what? I'm going to say one thing real quick, just very quickly. God was not shaken by his lostness. God was not embarrassed by his mouth or by the mouths of the people he lived among. But he was, he was aware of it and, and, and his passion was to redeem it. His, God reveals the weaknesses. God will reveal an altar for the purpose of bringing healing and for the opportunity to bring perspective and growth and sanctification. That's just a fancy word for becoming more like Jesus, kind of just pruning the things from your life that you don't, don't need so much. So God lovingly reveals these things so that he can bring healing and wholeness in places that you need it. And, and you, sometimes we've self-medicated ourselves with something else. He takes it away so that he can medicate it instead of yourself or someone else. But God is not shaken. He's not embarrassed. He's not shy about your sin. I get a lot of comfort from that as well. The next opportunity that we have is to receive grace because he's not embarrassed or shaken by, by Isaiah's fallenness, his lostness, his sinfulness, because he's not, he's not afraid of an addiction, because he's not afraid of, of somebody who's been stealing, because he's not afraid of somebody who's been dealing, because he's not afraid of any of those things, those kinds of things. Uh, he, he draws near, he sends a messenger who comes and, and it's actually kind of a terrifying picture, right? This angel with all these wings and stuff on it flying with a coal off of an altar to touch his face. I'm like, I'll take Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago over an angel flying at my face with burning coals every single time, right? So but Isaiah got the flying angel with the coals. We get Jesus who's resurrected and is like holds sheep, right? That's pretty awesome. I'll, 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 take, I'll take that. 
But what we have is he, he drew near. He says, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. And that's a picture of grace drawing near by the will and the purposes of God to bring redemption and wholeness and healing where there was brokenness and where there was pain and where there was sorrow or where there's addiction or where there's instability or where there's loss or where there's fear. God draws near according to his grace and mercy and brings redemption and safety and wholeness in himself because we serve a God who wasn't shy about our sin he draws near to us and brings redemption and that's a comforting thing for anybody who's ever realized gotten a glimpse I don't know talking about the pen I don't know how deep my sin goes I don't know I get glimpses of it every once in a while I'm not sinning like I used to (laughs) <laughs> somebody's like, amen. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, somebody knows how I used to sin. Somebody knows how, somebody knows how I used to sin. Somebody knows how I used to. <laughs> Maybe that amen was for themselves. <laughs> it's just two honest people in the room. That's all. <laughs> we don't, we don't really understand it. We're like, yeah, I'm kind of bad. Like, I kind of messed up. Like, yeah, I did, I did want to choke that person out just because they took too long at the checkout. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it doesn't take much to, like, peg my needle. Right? You know, you're like, what'd you say to me? It's like, here's your change, sir. <laughs> like, right, 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 right. That's, yeah. Thank you. Have a blessed day. <laughs> Praying for you. We don't, I don't realize the depths of my sin. And, and, and because of that, I don't understand the depths of the grace and the mercy that he's shown me. Because oftentimes I feel like I kind of deserve to be saved. I'm good enough that God should have drawn near to me and saved me because he's made me pretty great. And sometimes we can fall into that place where we feel so, so far along the path that we forget that we are still in need of a savior. Now, I'm certainly, I'm, I'm saved, I'm redeemed, but now God's dealing with, like, I've got the big boulders out of my garden for the most part, but now it's these, these ones that come up every year, right? Like, you clean out, anybody got a garden that you clean out and you got rocks in it every year and you're like, man, the devil is in this garden just pushing, he does live in the ground. He's just pushing rocks up. Satan just pushing rocks into my garden, messing up my, and he's the Lord of the roots too, the devil is. And he brings roots into my garden every year. I got to cut these roots and I got to take these rocks out. But really that's the way our life is as well. There are rocks and roots in my life that need to be dealt with every single year. And God reveals things. So maybe I'm not sinning like the big obvious stuff anymore, but now it's the more sinister, darker inside stuff that, that nobody else knows about that nobody else can see and, and you're not going to figure out, you know, just, just in a small group meeting, but you only figure out by God drawing near by his grace, exposing that and bringing mercy and tenderness and healing to that. Amen? Amen. So that's the opportunity to receive grace. Uh, Joel, I was moved to this during worship. It says, uh, Joel chapter 2, it's a very small book of the Bible. So if you flip through a paper Bible, you might miss it. You can use the table of contents It's a helpful tool there, or you can just Google it. But yet even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to me. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. 
Who knows whether he turn and relent um, and leave a blessing, a grain offering uh, and drink before the Lord your God. And then it just talks about the assembly coming and, and drawing near to God in that way and how God is so faithful to redeem us and, and to draw us and to call us back to himself. So for some of us, what this instability does is it's just an opportunity for God to call you back. Say, hey, you've, you've been drifting, and, and it's been really comfortable. What, what really surprised me is that some, some of the people who haven't been here in a very long time, uh, you know, they're like, man, I'm not okay with you leaving. It's like, man, you haven't seen me in six months. You haven't, you're like, my church is changing so much. You haven't been to church in five months. <laughs> like, like hey, changing so much. Like, <laughs> we need you to come in. But the opportunity is to receive grace and to draw near. I have no idea why I said that, but it was tied to an idea that leaked. (laughs) I don't know so much. I don't even know what I was going to say. God was not shaken. God was not shaken. And because he was not shaken, he was able to draw near to these people who were the most shaken. Have you, ever been, have you ever been in a situation where you had to help someone, maybe at like a ropes course or something, you had to help somebody who had to cross something, but they were unstable and you wanted to help them, but then you realized that you were unstable too, so you couldn't help them much? It's like, I want to extend grace to you right now, but I don't know how, because if I extend grace to you right now, we're both going to fall. We serve a God who is completely solid and, and who's, com- who's a solid foundation that we can stand on, who is unshakable, who is seated on his throne, who, whose glory fills the temple. That's just his, 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 the, his presence was so extraordinary. It was, it was tangible and not an inch of the space where God is and God dwells is subject to darkness or the, the absence of goodness. So when it talks about the train filling the, uh, the ro- or the, his robe or his train filling the temple with his glory, it's saying that the glory of God fills every space to which is dedicated and set apart for him. Which is a lot of encouragement to those of us because if we open up our lives to him, if we open up our hearts to him, if we open our, our priorities up to him, he's pleased to come and fill every part of that. And so, so we've got the, we, we serve a God who's, who stands in that stable place and is able to bring us over from our instable place because he is ultimately the most stable. And so, so that's the confidence that we have that he was not shaken. And the next opportunity that we have is to be, I say, recommissioned. And so in verses eight and nine, you've got, you've got a lot that happens and this could be its own sermon, but here are three major things that happen in verse eight and nine. And this is just verse nine, but you say, it says, Uh, I'll read eight. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Us being a reference to the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Then I said, here I am, send me. And he said, go say to this people. So in this, we have an invitation by God to come participate in his mission. And then we have a response by Isaiah to say, yes. He, He said, here I am, send me. He didn't yet know where he was being sent. He didn't know why he was being sent. He didn't know any of the details. There was more that he didn't know than he did know. But we serve the God of the unknown. Can can we just say we serve the God of the unknown? We serve the God of the unknown. The God you love and know and serve, the God of the Bible, is the God of the unknown. Isaiah didn't know what he was saying yes to. He knew who he was saying yes to, and that was enough. 
And so here he is. He's a response by Isaiah to say yes. And then God commissions him to this work. Every commissioning has these three parts that God calls us, invites, we respond, and then God sends. We see this with the calling of the disciples. And in Matthew, you see that God said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And they said yes. And they became fishers of men after being trained up by God. Now, some of us are wondering in this church, what am I even doing here? Like, I'm kind of here because I like David or his personality or, or the way that he's been doing things. But, but I want to tell you that God led you in here with that. He, that was kind of like the, the, the drawing, but God brought you here for a larger purpose. And that purpose is one that only he can determine. No man can determine and no man can take away. And so God brought you here certainly to learn, but to do more than that, he brought you here to grow and contribute to the growth of yourself and others as well. As you have received ministry being in this house, it's now your call and your appointment and your opportunity to do ministry. Like you get to carry the weight. Every single one of us gets a promotion as a result of this transition. God is promoting all of us. Like Oprah, you get a promotion and you get a promotion and you get a promotion and you get a promotion. This is not a time to watch Pastor David, David's transition skills or to watch Pastor Eddie and Pastor Jermaine and say, well, who do I like more? Which one's going to be my pastor? You know, like who am I going to choose and which one can I find the most comfort in and whose stories do I like the best? This is a time for all of us to hear the God of God, the call of God, inviting us to participate in his great mission and to participate in the work of the ministry that he's called us to grace. Covenant Church in Starling. This is not a time for spectator work. This is a time when we roll up the sleeves and we partake of the work and we partner in the work and we serve. And here's the, here's the reality of the situation. Some people, God is going to say, hey, this is a call to go to Denver. And he's going to say that to some of you. To most of us, he's going to say, this is a call to stay here. And you want to know why that gets me really excited about being here? Because for maybe the first time as a congregation, we'll have a room filled, a, a, a congregation established, small groups filled up with volunteers uh, stepping up to the plate, people serving in kids ministry and AV and worship and all the other places of people who know they're called to this place to do the work that God's called us to do. And all the cool stuff that's happened so far has been built on people. Like certainly some of us feel called and some of us have been like, this is where God has called me to be because we're going to partner in this work. But most of us haven't had that call. Most of us have just been like, I'm, I'm cause it's pretty good. And like, but you know, if, if, they, if David goes that direction too much more, I'll, I'll find somewhere else that's more convenient. Most of us have been in a place of, of in a, in a kind of a spectator position, not, not the, the minister position. And God's calling us to minister. Grace Covenant Church. It got real quiet with the, like, now it's your turn and the promote, like, got kind of quiet. So, but that's the opportunity that we have in the presence of God is to be recommissioned or freshly commissioned or commissioned maybe for the first time. But most of you, God is calling to be here and to continue and to continue to help it become the thing that you knew that it was becoming. The way that it doesn't become, the way this congregation doesn't become who God has called us to be is if you don't take us there. 
There was one person, <laughs> nodding her head. She came to me last week. She's like, she's like, I'm super amped about this. <laughs> she, she was like, not bothered at all. She's like, why weren't you gone sooner? <laughs> and it was like, that's not what she said, but she meant it in her heart. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I'm just so excited because we serve the same God and, and we're just going to see where, and God's purpose hasn't changed and his mission stays the same and who we are stays the same. We're just going to hear about it from primarily from two different, two different people. Yeah. Instead of you, we get to hear from other people. So it's just like, and they're just pointing us back to God anyway. Yeah. Yeah. But family, you've, you've been, you're being commissioned. Let this be your commissioning service. Don't wait, don't wait till the transition happens. Yeah. Don't, I'll, well, I'll speak to those things in just a second. Don't wait till the transition happens. Receive the commissioning now. Man, as, uh, if, you, if you have received anything good, if any brotherly affection, if any redemption, if any love, if any care, if any grace, if a meal, if a high five, if a card, if flowers in the hospital, now it's your turn to, to, to perpetuate this. To find God, to see him high and lifted up, to allow the, the glory of God to come and convict you of the places in your life where you've put other things where he only belongs and to allow him then to come and bring healing and redemption and wholeness to, to, to forgive and to wipe away those things and, and invite you into this work. Let that happen in your life. Now, there are some things that... Uh, Actually, Miata, go, go ahead and go ahead and come up, and we're, we're gonna we're gonna worship here at the end. And uh, while we receive the offering, it'll be an opportunity to respond to the message. We're gonna receive that bill. Uh, which one is it today? Thanksgiving offering. Our building campaigns next week. This is Thanksgiving offering. This is just thank you, Jesus, for being so good to us. And it's just an opportunity to recognize the blessing that we walk in, and and. And just to give, like, thank you, Jesus, for how good you've been to us. Thank you, Jesus, for how good you've been to us through Grace Covenant or in Grace Covenant. Thank you, Jesus, for what you desire to do moving forward as, you know, in us and through us as a people. Um, the ushers, actually, if you, if you, if you want to give, you can give online, gracecov.org. Uh, checks to Grace, Co- Grace Covenant. It'll get to the right place. You can go online and give if you have cash or something. You can raise your hand, Dan will. Dan and the ushers will give you an envelope. Here's what I don't want you to do in this next season. And I just don't, um, make sure that you resist the temptation to assign meaning to all sorts of different things, right? Like as you receive your commissioning, don't read into every little thing. Well, Jermaine used a verse that I don't really like, or he exegeted it in a play that I, that I don't love the most. And so that must be a call. That must be a sign that I'm supposed to be somewhere else. You don't overread these things. Just spend time with Jesus read the Bible, pray, talk to the people who are here and who can help you find your place and hear well what God's calling you to do and how he's calling you to do it. Um, so don't overread into things. I was talking to somebody this week and they helped me see, they were like, hey, it was kind of weird that your parents weren't there last week. My parents moved. So it, there was nothing to read into there. Like, don't take, like, like you could have been like, oh, his parents, they were here all the time. And then the pastors come and kick them out and the parents weren't even there because they can't handle it. No, no, my parents live in Kansas now. That's why my parents weren't here. But there are going to be other things like my parents not being here. That you'll, you're like, if you're not careful and you don't guard your heart and protect the thing that God speaks to you in this commissioning, you'll bring, it'll bring doubt and unbelief and uncertainty in places where God's speaking with certainty. Because we'll, 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 we'll tie wrong things to, to each other. 
Uh, don't read too far into whether or not they give you attention in the hallway or say hi to you or whatever. You know, like don't, don't read too in. Be certain of God's calling of you and his calling for you. Rest in knowing that, that what he is doing, no man can stop. What God has started to do here in this house, it, no man can stop. That means no man, no man moving out of a position can stop it. And that means no man can stand outside of it and push against it and stop it. And that means no man stepping into the pulpit and preaching a message can stop it. Because what God has started in this house, he's going to continue. But we need to find our hope and our faith and our trust, not in any man, not in any plan, not in any style, but in the fact that we serve an unshakable God who is seated on his throne, whose temple fills, whose whose robe fills the temple with his glory. And so, um, you see, I'm doing like three things at the same time. I'm landing the message, I'm summarizing it, taking an offering and trying to get us into worship. So uh, let's pray for the offering. Jesus, multiply our little. We ask that you would make it much. We say thank you, God, for your goodness towards us. You've been so good to us. And we, we sometimes trick ourselves into thinking you were good to us because we deserve it. But you, you've only been good to us because you are good. And so I ask that we would be mindful of it this week, that we would remember that and we would delight in your goodness. We would delight in your faithfulness and your loving kindness as we draw near to see you, to experience your presence, to, to receive your grace and to, and to be freshly commissioned to the work that you've called us to here. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So I wanna pray and then we're gonna have the worship team lead us in a song. And this prayer is for anybody who... You know, we'll, we'll, we'll pray in a couple different stages. We're going to pray that God would allow us to see him high and lifted up in the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our trial. I'm going to pray that God would allow us the privilege of experiencing conviction where we put other things in his place. Then I'm going to pray a prayer, 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 pray a prayer of salvation, right? That's for anybody who's been far from God. Maybe you've never surrendered your life to him, but you know that today is the day to surrender to Jesus or it's a return to Jesus. And then lastly, I'm going to pray that God would convict us in, in, in that he would con, uh, convict us to, uh, uh, of the, of the, uh, the, the call that he has for us. Convict us of the sacredness of the call that he has for you. Not just in this house, but his call of you and for you and to you, but, but also for many of you as it relates to this house. Amen. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we recognize that you are, you are high and lifted up. Even in this moment, you are the living God. We don't serve a God who lived as a past thing. We serve a God who lives as a present thing and as a future reality. And it's a future reality that we will only experience more and more and more of as we grow in relationship and knowledge of you. And God, I pray for those of us who have become comfortable and we put wrong things in, in your place, be it a relationship or a drug or, 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 or money or some other thing, God, that we have elevated something else to the status of God in our life. God, we we ask that you would remove those things and you would take your rightful spot on the throne of our hearts and minds. That you would bring redemption and safety and security to us in you and in your resurrection and the promise of ours. God, I ask that you would forgive us of our sin. That you would wash us clean as you have atoned for us, as you have redeemed us, God, as you have have been unshaken by our darkness. God, I ask that you would bring life to us and healing to us according to your loving kindness and your goodness and you would give us the courage to follow you all the days of our life. And God, I ask that we wouldn't just stop there, 
We wouldn't just stop knowing you. We wouldn't just stop in being saved by you, but we would, we would hear your call to partner with you and to be your hands and your feet in this mission of establishing the kingdom of heaven on this earth. That we would hear your voice speak to us and direct us how it is that you've called us to be in this house and who you've called us to be in this place and in our schools and in our businesses and in our neighborhood. God, we thank you that you're a God who's pleased to welcome us into your mission and you're a God who's pleased to redeem us and pleased to invite you into your work, indeed into your family. In Jesus' name, amen.